She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Probably designed uh, to get attention. Um, it was designed to be caught. And uh, while it may be a, a, a device that could function, um, I think it was designed more than anything to, to strike fear in the hearts of those people who they were intended to target. You always have the left ginning up, you mm -hmm. know, angry, the mentally ill, storming the barricades, and Republicans are standing there with a PowerPoint demonstration trying to explain how a wall or tax cuts will be better for you and improve the lives of lots of people. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to be with you today. I'm happy to be behind the microphone yet another day. God is good. So what are we going to talk about this hour? Well, we've got this study. TV hits record percentage of LGBTQ regular characters. And if you're like me with a permanent tan, this is kind of annoying because Hollywood has always been really, really like garbage about having characters that reflect America. So instead of just having someone come in as comedic relief or someone as a sidekick who has no, no real story of their own, they're just there to supplement the main character, which is usually the role that black characters have. Um, instead of them advancing out and putting even more representation out there in, in addition to black characters, but also, you know, other characters of color, more women, more children, more Christians. Christians are absolutely not represented at all on media. Um, and especially not in a positive way. Instead of doing that, they basically, they're trying to convince us, like, if, if, if aliens were real and they landed on planet Earth, they would think that over 50% of the population of this country were LGBTQ IABC. I just add the extra letters on because it doesn't mean anything like the first ones don't. So, that's what they think. Um, it's crazy. So we got that going on. We'll talk about that. Um, we've been talking about this, um, this whole caravan. And if you'll notice, one thing that has been a side consequence, um, you know, makes you say, hmm, of this story about the bombs, all of which were functioning, but none of them actually went off. You know, thank God, but none of them worked. Uh, quite the bomb maker, this person. Also, they had trouble with mailing things. But, uh, you know, let's, let's just stick to the main main meat of the story is that now Anderson Cooper of CNN has announced that he will no longer show video on his program of the coming migrant invasion because it's not an invasion. They're good people. Lawbreakers for sure, but they're good people. They're good people. So we'll have audio of one of the caravan members saying, yeah, there are criminals in here. <laughs> I mean. Uh, the joys of the internet and, and everybody having a camera uh, and a phone. So I want to listen to Vice President Mike Pence revealing where the Central American horde is actually being funded from. And then also we'll get back to Sundance's analysis of the progression that led to Russia and China joining together to strike back at Donald Trump indirectly through Venezuela with this migrant invasion so close to the midterm election. So it's number four. What the president of Honduras told me was organized by leftist groups in Honduras, financed by Venezuela, uh, and sent north to challenge our sovereignty and, and challenge our border. Um, and now it's, it's grown. We've, the president had me reach out to uh, President Hernandez in Honduras, to President Morales in Guatemala, 
we've been working very closely with Mexico. We're going to do everything in our power to prevent uh, this caravan uh, from uh, coming north and, and uh, violating our border. But ultimately, it is an issue in this election because what, what human traffickers are doing, um, what criminal gang members are doing uh, in this instance, and frankly, in literally every day of the week, where they take cash to bring people up the peninsula in the hopes of them either making a claim for asylum or simply, uh, simply crossing our border illegally to be apprehended, is they're taking advantage of not only our poorest border, but loopholes in our laws. So do you hear that? You've got human trafficking going on, and we've talked about that extensively on this program. And I, I never cease to be horrified by what, what you hear. If you care to know what human trafficking really is, if you care to know how women are abused all the way up, we're talking about weeks and weeks of sexual abuse that these women and girls endure to make the journey to come to America. And they're being lured here by loopholes in our laws and Democrats who are actually advertising. Did you know that CNN does a, a special? It's a half hour special that airs on Univision, but it also airs on Spanish language channels in South America. It teaches people how to circumvent the U.S. immigration system. Do you know that? So you probably don't know that because you might not be fluent in Spanish and you might not have any reason to, you know, uh, maybe check uh, Univision. You might not have any reason to check um, and find out what kind of television programming is going on in South America. I know I don't. I barely know what's on TV here in the United States because it's so much of it is just uh, unadulterated garbage. But that's what they do. That who made the the, the documentary CNN? Would they make it for to increase illegal immigration? Why? Because they're lawless. That's why. That's why they came out swinging against Donald Trump. Because that's how you know these bombs are just a plant. There's nothing real to it. Because what have they now? A perfect set of talking points that they clearly had prepared for this occasion. Donald Trump incited people to, to send us bombs. Now, I don't know about you, but when, is, when, did I, when exactly did we hear that Hitler, I'm sorry, Donald Trump, because remember, he's also Hitler, um, told people to send bombs to Democrats? All I've heard him say is vote out the lawlessness. All I've heard him say is that he wants to cut more tax, uh, you know, for the middle class. I've heard him say he wants to seal the border. I've heard him say, look abroad, look at the relationship that we have now in the, the, uh, the, the Korean peninsula. He, that's because of Donald Trump's expertise at manipulating the cards that are before him. And it's a God-given gift. God gets all the glory. You know, I'm, I'm definitely not a Trump worshiper. I had someone say, uh, one time on Twitter, someone said, oh, you got to follow Stacey on the right. And the, the person looked at my TL and said, oh, she's she's too Trumpian. She likes Donald Trump too much. And I thought, yeah, you missed the 30 second promo or 60 second promo that uh, Urban Family Talk made about me disagreeing with Donald Trump on whether or not it's OK to salute the flag. <laughs> Y'all know me. I got a flag on the wall behind me. I'm, I'm the flag wavingest, most patriotic, you know, uh, chick you're going to meet this side of the, the Mississippi. But I did say that I disagreed with the president. <laughs> now, you know, and for someone who's 100 percent Trump, Trumpy and a Trump worshiper, I guess I don't know what was happening then. And I've said other things that have not been as complimentary. And, you know, it's, it's not about worshiping him or even agreeing with him 100 percent. It's about telling the truth. Um which is, you know, that's a primary reason why we're here. So anyway, back to Sundance's rundown. So you've got, we've already gone over the first two items, which were the president issued sanctions. 
and the sanctions that he issued were an indirect blow to Russia and China utilizing Venezuela, but Venezuela deserved it. So, you know, it was good all the way around. You got the uh, Russia, who's already squeezed with losses because of their approach to oil, striking back, and they're all directly connected. You've got Russia bleeding out in, in uh, financially in Syria. They're spending a lot of money there trying to look big and bad and support their ally in Syria, which, by the way, if you haven't gotten the book, Ship of Fools, you can't buy it in any retail locations because it's now a bestseller. It's by Tucker Carlson. I've been listening to it on Audible, and I found uh, copies that you can order hard hardbacks on uh, hardcovers on Amazon. I ordered my paper copy. This is a book for the ages. I'm listening to it. I'm only, I think, on chapter four, and I've learned more about the background and inner workings of our of the kind of people who make policy in this country who aren't elected, like Bill Kristol and Max Boot. Learned so much about them, but I, I got to tell you. Because both of our parties are in a pro-war footing and have been since Bill Clinton, we do have a lot of nation building going on. And a lot of the unnecessary competition we see in the Middle East, namely Russia being in Syria, was precipitated by Barack Obama trying to prove that Democrats aren't weak on war and, and are strong when it comes to international relations and are willing to start a war with anybody his unnecessary actions in Syria have precipitated the complete degradation of that area and the need for us to receive so many Syrian refugees in this country. Oh, that's a whole nother show, a whole nother show. But if you want to know for yourself, because I can't do, you know, a whole book worth of content in, in any space of time here on the program, get the book on audible and listen to it. Tucker Carlson reads it. It's amazing. Very informative. So the third squeeze, as Sundance puts it, is that back in 2017, Trump and Secretary Tillerson, now Secretary Pompeo, put Pakistan on notice that they needed to get involved in bringing their enabled tribal extremists, the Taliban, to the table in Afghanistan. Pakistan's primary investor and economic partner is China. The U.S. removed $900 million in financial support to pressure Pakistan towards a political solution in Afghanistan. So China has to fill a void. Of note, last month, the World Bank began discussions about a financial bailout for Pakistan. Again, more one-way bleeding of finances for China. Who did it? Donald Trump. Squeeze number four is China's primary economic threat of competition is next door in India. Remember, India has an extremely large population like China. So President Trump embraced this idea as leverage, he embraced India as leverage over China in trade and pledged ongoing favorable trade deals. So how do you hurt someone who's hurting you by stealing your economic, your, your economic prowess through uh, the kind of one-sided, lopsided deals that the Chinese government does with our, with our creators here, our manufacturers, our business owners? How do you strike back against the intellectual property that's being stolen or the fact that China, China has operatives uh, in Silicon Valley stealing? They're literally stealing the ideas of our greatest innovators in the technology space by giving them venture capital dollars that if you receive the money, you have to give the intellectual property over to the Chinese government so they can recreate your product and build the same kind of lab you're building in California. They can build it in China. How do you strike back against that? Well, um, Donald Trump is sucking back money that we've been giving, that's been helping China, and making them fill the void. So then he's been dealing with their direct competitors to bring forward 
this idea that China's not the only game in town. You're not the only place we can put a factory. You're not the only mega economy that we can deal with. Pakistan could be just as good for us. And so that's what they're doing. Notice I'm not calling it Pakistan. I'm not an Asila liberal. That's why. So you got this over here, um, which is MFN. It's the key play here. MFN stands for Most Favored Nation Trade Status. Donald Trump has put it on the table, as no other president has done, that he could flip most favored nation status from China to India. That's a big play. It would have huge ramifications and it would leave no room for China to continue to operate with us in dirty deal with us. If they wanted to play in our sandbox, they would have to come in clean and stop bullying our business owners. Uh, You know, I'm just saying for those who think Donald Trump isn't doing anything, this is a whole lot more than we saw Obama do on these issues. He didn't address any of them. President Trump launched a USTR Section 301 trade investigation into China's theft of intellectual property. This encompasses every U.S. entity that does manufacturing business with China, particularly aeronautics and technology. It also reaches into the financial sector. This is U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer completing a Section 301 review of China's trade practices back in March of 2018. And Sundance provides the links to the actual Section 301 of the U.S. Trade Act of 1974, which authorizes the president to take any and all appropriate action, including retaliation, to obtain the removal of any act policy practice of a foreign government that violates an international trade agreement or is unjustified, unreasonable or discriminatory or that burdens or restricts U.S. commerce. We already have lies. We already have laws that say America first. All Donald Trump is saying, implement that, enforce that, back that up. That's already U.S. law. I don't need the Supreme Court to help me codify anything new. We'll use the laws already on the books that say America first. It's not a new idea. It's not original to Donald Trump. It's a foundational principle of this country, and all he's doing is operating within it. So then you have President Trump shelving the 301 action as talks progressed with China. So carrot or stick? He used the stick of Section 301. China came to the table. He put it off to the side. He can still use it. So when the U.S. and China negotiations provided no progress, the 301 review of China was pulled back off the shelf and President Trump began to assemble his trade war strategy. The 301 tariffs and sanctions are currently being worked out with Lighthizer. I'll be back with more of this. You stay right there. Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Anna Ayers is an LGBT student at Ohio University who serves in the Student Senate. She reported receiving hateful notes, including one that threatened her life. The Student Senate president assumed that at least one of the notes must have been written by someone in the Senate who would know which desk belonged to Ayers. Because of the turmoil, the Student Senate postponed all scheduled events. Instead, the students listened to Ayers speak and express her anger, frustration, and disappointment. She called the person who did that weak, cowardly, and worthless. Also, the university changed the locks on the student senate doors and established new office hours. Now, before you get too angry about what happened to Ayers, you might need to know that she was arrested for making false claims. The Ohio University Police Department found that she placed the messages in the student senate office, along with one in her residence, by herself prior to reporting them. Sadly, these false threats are becoming all too common on college campuses. Just a few months ago, my commentary was on the rash of fake hate crimes. There are websites dedicated to document these fake crimes. Many of them are perpetuated by black activists in order to convince us that racism is alive and well on campus. Others are done by Muslims, perhaps to gain sympathy for their religion or to promote the idea that Islamophobia can be found in America's universities. This latest fake story perhaps was done to promote the LGBT agenda or merely to draw attention to her sexual orientation. I applaud the school for arresting her and for the university to follow up with a story explaining that these were false claims. We need some deterrent in order to prevent future hoaxes like this. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From GraceWorks Pictures, Indivisible, based on the true story of Army Chaplain Darren Turner and his wife Heather. Rated PG-13, opens October 26th, IndivisibleMovie.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. This is why we wanted a wall, Lou. <laughs> we have to keep hoping this president and someday the next president. Um, uh-oh, another caravan coming. We're going to have to keep going through this every two months for the rest of our lives. And as President Bush said about the terrorists, we have to be right every time. They only need to be right once. Um, this is why the chant that got Donald Trump elected was build the wall. This is exactly why we wanted a wall. We don't want to have to wait on, you know, making sure General Kelly and, and Jared Kushner don't get into Donald Trump before before his voters do. Whoa. Uh, more classic Ann Coulter. This is why we love her at Stacy on the Right. Um, so glad to be back with you. Thanks for sticking with us. I, I'm... I'm going to give a quick shout out to a friend who had me over for coffee today. And as our chat ran long, she broke out some chicken marsala and I had chicken marsala and broccoli for lunch today at a, the home of a friend, which honestly her house is, is it's literally HGTV personified. And I was sitting there just basking in the, in the beauty and eating the chicken marsala and thinking, this is just too good for me. And God is so good that I was able to have that lunch and that it was today and that we scheduled it a week ago. And I didn't know I was going to be so poor in spirit and get a chance to spend an hour and a half with her and just be uplifted by her friendship and her beautiful cooking and her beautiful home and the yummy coffee. Um, I'm still I'm still there um, and just so grateful. And as Judge Brett Kavanaugh said back before he was associate justice of the Supreme Court, he said, cherish your friends, love your friends. Thank your friends, honor your friends. So it's wonderful to have friendship. Uh, the Bible says to have 
to have friends, you have to be a friend. And I certainly felt that today from her. So wonderful to be back. We just heard from Ann Coulter. I want to quickly get this second half of the audio from Vice President Pence describing the brutality of the caravan and the human trafficking that's going on. And then after we listen to that, I'll finish up. We just have a little bit more that leads us and helps us understand what's really going on behind the scenes, the inner workings of what's happening with the Trump administration. And this is all the stuff that goes unreported in the news that has driven these three nation states to... Uh, send this faux caravan, this invasion uh, force towards us next to the midterm election. So it's number five. Um, our, our catch and release program are, uh, are all used and exploited by human traffickers who have no regard for human life. You know, when I, when I spoke to uh, the president of Guatemala, he told me how uh, at that point they were already beginning to bust some people back to Honduras, um, elderly vulnerable children who'd simply been left by the side of the road by the organizers of this caravan. I mean, the truth of the matter is nearly 40, far beyond this caravan, nearly 40% of young girls that make their way into our country uh, at the hands of human traffickers are sexually abused. We determine they've been sexually abused on their way north. This this is a, um, uh, it is a, it is unconscionable for us to continue to allow this to occur and we and but the way we can end it as the president's made clear is to have a congress that is willing to not only fund uh, a wall uh, secure our border but to close the loopholes that human traffickers and violent gang members use to entice people to make the the long and dangerous journey up the peninsula Um, we, we really do believe that we've got a crisis at our southern border but the only way we're going to we're going to deal with that crisis in the long term is by bringing about changes in the law. So, <laughs> you know, it just it's it strains credulity that we are sitting here in America in this technological age talking about women and girls being sexually abused for weeks on end as they journey to come into this country illegally and that the only thing we can do about it is talk about it on the radio. That the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief of the United States military, the Chief Executive of this country, cannot simply close the border or do anything with immigration without 25 lawsuits from liberals going straight to the Ninth Circuit Court. That he cannot do anything to protect these young women and girls, that he can't do anything to seal the border, that he can't do anything to make a dent in the $135 billion a year we spend on illegal immigrants, that we can't do anything about it in 2018. You know, talking cars, singing washers and dryers, beeping dishwashers, timers on everything. They even have a camera you can put outside your front door. And if somebody shows up at your house and tries to TP it, you can talk to them through your cell phone while you're on the other side of the planet and scare them off your property and call 911 with one touch of the button through an app. We can do all of that, but we can't stop sex, sex trafficking. I know you know the answer to that is that that is not true. We can stop it. But the political forces arrayed against the president from the left and the right are what's preventing that. The political forces that are arrayed against the president from the left and the right are what are preventing us from protecting thousands of women and girls from being sexually abused for weeks on end and then sold into sexual slavery once they arrive here. It is people 
more interested in cheap labor and everybody in the suburbs and the lefty zones having their own personal Rita or, you know, the, you know, the, the gardeners, the, uh, the person who vacuums your carpet while you're out at, uh, you know, yoga class or doing your bar class. This is why you see so much resistance from upper middle class women to Donald Trump's immigration strategy. It's not because they actually care about these people. It's because they are, they have these people in their homes as servants. And let's be real here. I'm a mom with three kids. We have a pretty decent sized home. We don't have anybody helping us clean it up. So it's me and the kids. Um, And the kids are, you know, sporadic helpers. You know how kids can be. We have fantastic kids. But let's face it, kids don't just jump up in the morning and say, "Mm, what can we clean today? Now, could we afford to have a cleaning team come in and do the work? Yeah, but if you're a little bit of a self-control person, you know, like a control freak like myself, you don't want strangers coming in, even if you get to know them, to clean your house. So we do it ourselves. But for every family like ours, there are 100 families in the same income bracket who have someone who is an illegal immigrant coming in and cleaning and watching the kids while they're at yoga and doing, uh, you know, landscaping and all of that. Now, we have help on the outside, but they're not illegal immigrants, at least. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not. But these people know the people who are working for them are illegal immigrants. And the reason they don't want the stop of cheap labor is because it's fun to have your whole day to yourself. Never mind the fact that if you have that much staff at home and they're cooking for you and they're taking care of the kids and they're picking them up here and pick, dropping them off there, you're not really staying at, you're not a stay-at-home mom. These people are your surrogate parents. But, you know, that, again, a whole nother show. But when you know that, you then understand that this isn't about caring about people or They just want them here so they can use them. These people who are the women and girls are used and abused like tools all the way up here. Personally and and emotionally damaged all the way up here. Then they go into these suburban homes and they're used again. Paid very little. Um, You know, they're on social welfare. They they go to the emergency room for all of their health care. They don't have health care. And their boss is some well-to-do socialite who really can't afford to have personal servants at the house, but she can if they're illegal immigrants. And if that's you and you're listening to the show, God bless you. Bless your heart. But I ain't taking anything back, so don't even email me, okay? Um, You know, whatever whatever you're thinking right now, keep it to yourself. I'm talking about you. So if you have someone there who is in your house and doing all these services and they are an American citizen, then more power to you, good for you. Because if they're an American citizen, they're making you pay them a decent wage. You're paying them minimum wage at at least. You have to make sure that you're filing taxes on their employee and all of that stuff. But if you have staff in your house and they're under the table, you ain't really upper middle class, are you? Because you can't afford American labor. You have to import your labor cheap and use humans like slaves. That's what you're doing. So... Before I get out too far off on a tangent, I want to give you the last couple things here that prompted this caravan to be put together by Venezuela and why they did it. So we were talking about Section 301 and the U.S. Trade Act, um, and you've got the 301 Review of China. It gets pulled off the shelf and implemented. Then China comes to the table, but after months of no progress, that they put it back on the shelf, months of no progress in negotiations. They pull it back off and implement it again. And the 301 tariffs and sanctions are currently being worked out with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer. 
So then you have President Trump, Secretary Ross, Secretary McNuchin, and USTR Lighthizer dissolving NAFTA in favor of the USMCA. Now, one of the primary objectives uh, of Team USA was to close third-party loopholes, including dumping and origination, that China uses to gain backdoor access into the U.S. market. Now, you're thinking to yourself, geez, like when I read this, I was thinking, and you have to be thinking the same thing. If you're listening to this or if you're following this, you're like, what? Yes, Donald Trump is thoroughly and unrelentingly putting the screws to China to force them to stop being a bad actor in the U.S. economy. So, of course, they're hopping mad. Of course, they're going to join together with Russia and fund a invasion of migrants coming from south of our border. Why wouldn't they? They've got to do something because he's got, I, I mentioned earlier, a stranglehold. This is more like one of those chokeholds, I forget what it's called, where the person chokes the person and it doesn't kill them, but it, it a sleeper hold, is that what it's called, where it just knocks them out? He's got them in like sleeper holds, chokeholds, and, and all kinds of other wrestling terms I'm not qualified to, to bandy about. He's got them, they got nowhere to run. So one of the... The, I mentioned the dumping and origination. China uses it to avoid trade and tariff restrictions. Now, China is a non-market country without a free trade agreement. We do not have a free trade agreement with them. So they send their parts to Mexico and Canada for assembly and then backdoor the entry of those parts into the United States via NAFTA, which is why the president said on the campaign trail and after he gained the presidency that he had to eliminate NAFTA. And you can get all of this information to share with friends at theconservativetreehouse.com. So here is the final bit of this. I'm going to run through it really quickly. Um, and we will open up for calls. You know, you might just be reeling from the information, but uh, obviously um, I'd love to hear your input on it. We've got the call lines open at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Squeeze number seven is that President Trump has been open, visible, and vocal about his intention to shift to bilateral trade renegotiation with China and Southeast Asia immediately after Team USA concluded with NAFTA. Now, remember, current negotiations with Japan are ongoing. Then President Trump positioned the U.S. relationship with the European Union as a massive potential loss for Europe via steel, aluminum and auto tariffs. Remember when everybody was screaming and bucking in the streets? and They're like, oh, my gosh, he's doing tariffs with the second de Great Depression. Not so. That's why I wasn't scared because I figured a, a businessman like that must know something we don't know. And here it is. If they did not, President Trump would shift their trade relationship towards greater reciprocity, reconsider the size of their trade relationship with China, and after initially trying to push back, Europe gave in. So the tariffs worked. I, I repeat, the tariffs worked. They are now shifting their trade relationship with us towards greater reciprocity, and reconsidering the size of their trade relationship with China, another gut punch to China to get them to stop raking our businesses over the coals and stealing our intellectual property. So then the next step for President Trump was that he positioned the Association of Southeast Asian Nations as trade benefactors for assistance with North Korea. Last year, South Korea and U.S. trade deal, Chorus, was renegotiated and announced in March. 
The relationship between ASEAN nations and the Trump administration is very strong and getting stronger, which leads to President Trump forming an economic and national security alliance with Shinzo Abe of Japan. Remember those meetings? He came to the United States, but instead of taking him to the White House, President Trump and Mrs. Trump, the first lady, met Shinzo Abe and his beautiful wife at Mar-a-Lago. They golfed, they wined, they dined. They were doing serious business, business that was so serious and so momentous, they didn't want to do it at the White House because the White House doesn't have the amenities as fantastic as it is, 55,000 square feet, five levels, two levels below ground, its own bunker, impenetrable bunker, a private residence on top, personal chefs, an enormous kitchen. But it still was no match for what he was going to work out with Shinzo Abe. They had to go to Mar-a-Lago. And so that's what they did. Quite simply, they went, they dealt, and what happened? Well, um, we looked and we've seen so far, have we seen any rockets flying up, any missile tests from uh, North Korea? It's not an accident that Kim Jong-un fired his last missile over the northern part of Japan because Beijing told him to, but we haven't seen any of them since then. So President Trump cut off the duplicitous Beijing influence over North Korea by engaging directly with Kim Jong-un, which everyone said, you're legitimizing a dictator. No, he was reorienting the relationship, reorienting the relationship so that Beijing could no longer be the puppet master for Kim Jong-un. The open exchange and dialogue has removed much of the ability of Beijing to leverage that little dictatorship as a nuclear threat for their own economic benefit. The dialogue was as much, if not more, about dismantling Beijing's geopolitical influence as it was about denuclearizing the Korean peninsula, but no one caught that part of the strategy. We discussed it a little bit here, but for the most part in media, Americans are completely oblivious to the fact that Besides not having the missile test going on and besides having at least some semblance of denuclearization, even if it's not real, the point is that he's no longer launching rockets over Japan and a show of threat towards the United States because he was told to by Beijing. President Trump has outmaneuvered Chairman Jinping in North Korea and Chairman Jing, uh, Kim Jong-un. He stood guard on the watchtower, and now there's mutual fellowship between the leaders of North Korea and South Korea, and now you understand why we have an invasionary horde coming. We'll be back with your calls after this. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Have you ever been jealous of someone? Maybe your coworker got the position you felt you deserved, along with the raise. Maybe your neighbor invited you over to see the new luxury car, or maybe your roommate got the newest iPad and keeps showing off all the cool apps. Here's the thing. Jealous people obsess about the object of jealousy, believing that if they get what someone else has, then they'll be fulfilled. Instead of building others up, Jealousy wants to destroy them. The moment jealous thoughts run through your mind, ask God to take them away. Never let jealousy take hold. It always leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. 
Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. Equipped with Chris Brooks. This program is an apologetic endeavor. What I want to do is really train you in the art and science of defending and commending your Christian faith to people who maybe they've been hurt by the church, maybe they don't believe like you believe, and you're saying to yourself, how do I have an effective conversation with them? Well, we're looking for an evangelistic edge, if you will, that will allow us to more effectively, more contextualize the gospel so that we can reach men and women for Christ. Quite often, the on-ramp, if you will, is looking at culture and taking advantage of the conversations that folks are already having and saying, how can I leverage this to get people to talk about Jesus? This show becomes kind of massively significant to you if your desire is to reach people for Christ. Get equipped with Chris Brooks. Join me Monday through Friday at noon Central Time on Urban Family Talk. America's election headquarters. President Obama visited a state he won twice to rally support for Democratic candidates, including Nevada Senate candidate Congresswoman Jackie Rosen. If Republicans keep Congress this fall, you better believe they are coming after health care again. And millions of people across the country who count on this are not going to have it. Even Republicans, they just don't know it. Republican Senator Dean Heller thinks Rosen's special guest will miss the mark. Nevada was wiped out under the Obama administration. We had 60% of our homes. Uh, 60% of the homes were underwater here in the state. Two years into his first term with the 2010 elections approaching, President Obama had a 45% approval rating and Democrats lost the House. Two years into President Trump's first term with the 2018 elections approaching, his approval rating is two points higher, 47%, and he's trying to use it to help Heller. In Las Vegas, Nevada, Peter Ducey, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacey of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or urbanfamilytalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Criminals is everywhere, okay? Uh, it's criminals in here. I mean, it is, but it's, it's not that many. I mean, it's, it's good people in here trying to get through, uh, through Mexico and then get to the United States, but that doesn't mean that everybody's a criminal. Oh, okay. So how can we figure it out? Oh, how can we figure out which is which? Why, why is it our job to figure it out? Why, why don't y'all just um, not try to invade our country? They're being paid to. Um, yeah, they're being paid to. So, all right. I, and I, it's not that I don't have a heart of compassion for people who are in dire circumstances, but we already have so many people in this country. And remember, we're like infidels when we don't care for those within our own house. We have enough of our homeless population in this country, which is comprised almost 40% of the homeless people in this country are veterans. The majority of the rest of that 60% are people who are suffering from mental illness and they don't have anywhere to go because we've dismantled our, 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 our mental health care apparatus for, for these people. And so $135 billion would go a long way to building those tiny home communities that veterans prefer when they're coming back from abroad, where they've been literally living outside and in these tin can vehicles and they can't, 
they just can't handle with the PTSD and everything else that they have going on, their health challenges. And the it's just like being inside of a tin can for two years or 18 months. And then they come back to the United States and it's sensory overload. And, and just it's, it's indescribable how much we are here in this country, how much there is to take in and to do and to be. It's too much for people coming back from that environment. Some of these people have been just rotated in and out of the operational theater. They're just hollowed out. They have PTSD. They've been on multiple tours to Afghanistan or, or, or I, I just, they've been in the Middle East. They come back to the United States. So we're all air conditioned out. We're driving our little cars that can talk and everything here is just so much too much. And so what they have found to be very successful is where they build these little tiny home communities and you and I would never be able to handle it. But it's a house that's the size of a glorified shed. It's not even as big, big as a single uh, width mobile home. And it's a community of these little homes that they build. And so, again, building a shed with running water and electricity and heating and cooling, these little things cost less than $30,000 to build. And so they'll take a two-acre lot in the city where they've taken down a bunch of homes and they'll put a bunch of these houses up and there's grass and there's a little porch out front where you can have a chair and there's outdoor lighting and there's pathways that you can walk over to the main building. And in the main building, there's full-sized amenities. And sometimes they even have the full-size showers and everything there. And all you have in your in your uh, little mobile home is you just have um, in your shed-sized home, your tiny home, you'll have you know a kitchen sink and a cook plate and you'll have some storage and a refrigerator and a microwave and you'll have a bathroom where you can take a quick shower but as far as like a full blown you know facilities and there'll be workout area and library and there'll be a computer room and all that and that's in the main facility and what they found is this environment works even better than when you build a veteran's home, quote unquote, where they're living almost in a dormitory situation. Because the little tiny home environment means, unlike in a dorm where you're in an open bay and there are beds, kind of like basic training, or unlike an apartment situation where you have your apartment or your room, but you have to share the bathroom in a communal area and you only have a door to shut, these tiny sheds mean you can be self-contained in the tiny shed. It has windows on three sides. You can open your curtains, open your window. You can play a little music. You can have that privacy and the self-contained unit of it, but it's not so big that it's overwhelming for you to take care of. There's not so much sensory overload that your PTSD is triggered. Meanwhile, in the main building, they have the counseling services and you can go in there and you can access your therapist and your counselor. You can access the library. And if you need to go somewhere, they have a shuttle that can take you, you know, to go to go get things. And, and you might be thinking, well, why? Why do they need that? Because we've, we've sent them to war. Remember, when you join the military, you become an asset. And you submit yourself to being deployed over and over and over again and utilized as an asset until the military no longer needs you for use. And then if you decide to separate, well, that's on you. And while we do have a Veterans Administration, it doesn't do the best job of caring for these veterans who are coming from the Middle East and suffering from PTSD. And... So it is up to us to take care of them first. They've already poured out their blood, sweat, and tears, and some of them, their limbs, they've left over there. And then when they get back here, they're faced with the overwhelming prospect of dealing with American culture and no help for their PTSD. 
And we've got 32 of them a day committing suicide. And the ones that don't kill themselves are homeless. What do we do for them? No offense to those who are in countries that, you know, quite honestly, they're horrible. But you are not an American citizen. And so if I get to decide where my tax dollars go, I would say send those tax dollars to these veterans. Use the tax dollars to build outpatient and inpatient treatment facilities for these mentally ill people. Some of them are just plain old mentally ill and they need to be housed in a facility where they can't hurt themselves or other people. But some of them need counseling and medication and therapy. And with those types of things, they can go on to be productive citizens. Instead of having San Francisco be the public defecation capital of America, how about if we take those homeless people and spend our tax dollars on them? If we know what works and we don't do it, how worse How much worse can it be? Where's the condemnation for that? It is our duty to care for them. Remember when Ann Coulter came on and we talked about the actual people group that is America and how Ann Coulter and I are more closely related through our shared history because her her family has been here as long as my family has been in this country that we share some of the same DNA and blood because of slavery and the history of these two people groups living in this place together. Elizabeth Warren taught us the lesson last week that all white women in America and the men as well have at least a minimum 1.8% Native American blood. I have more than that. So we share that. Also, I have, you know, I have some some white lineage. Share that with Ann Coulter. I don't know what her background is, if she has any black lineage in hers, but she could very well. Most black Americans have up to 25% of their genetic makeup contributed by whites. We are one people. And when I say it is our responsibility to take care of those who are in this country with us before we take care of people who are not, it is a biblical obligation. It upsets me that we have so many people who don't seem to understand that. They just can't seem to get their minds wrapped around it. Or they won't because they don't want to. They're like the people I described yesterday on the show who have this this pathological, it's like some kind of sickness. It's, it's, It's a compulsion, a pathological compulsion to help people outside of their family instead of taking care of their own. So I mentioned this story. I want to get to it today before we close out the show. Uh, Broadcast TV hits a record percentage of LGBTQ regulars, study finds. Broadcast television is enlisting a record percentage of LGBT, et cetera, characters, featuring more of those characters of color than those that are white for the first time in the 2018-19 season. GLAAD's annual Where We Are on TV report was released on Thursday and found that These characters comprise 8.8% of all regular characters this season, up 2.4% from 2017-2018. Last season had previously held the record for the most in the report's 23-year history. Among those characters, 22% were black, 8% were Latin, and 8% were Asian Pacific Islander, which represents a historical high for black characters and a tie with last year's findings on Latin characters. 
LGBT broadcast characters have additionally reached gender parity among women and men. Both account for 49% of characters. Last year, men were in the clear majority, making 55% of the characters with women being 44%. Overall, LGBT regular and recurring characters on broadcast are posting a 31% increase from the 2017-18 season. Meanwhile, on primetime cable shows, the report found that these characters have increased 20% from 173 to 208 characters. On Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, the streaming platforms monitored by GLAAD, these characters have increased 72% from the previous year, jumping from 65 characters to 112. Now, they did this survey of regular and recurring characters across broadcast cable and major streaming platforms from June 1 of 2018 to May 31 for 2019, so all the programming that covers that time frame. And they claim that the reason why they're doing that is because shows like Will and Grace, Supergirl, Empire, and How to Get Away with Murder all attract millions of viewers weekly and show that audiences are clearly hungry for new stories and perspectives. Now, I know for the one program that we have watched over and over again that has two characters on it, um, they're not prominently featured. And we don't watch it for those characters. We were watching it for the storyline of the other characters. And we watched the show from before they introduced the same-sex characters. Um, since the last season, we've been talking as a family about whether or not we should continue to watch it because we're certain that this fall, when it returns, they will increase the visibility of the same-sex characters and decrease the visibility of heterosexual characters on the show. And, of course, this survey kind of supports that. And I guess I just, uh, it's just like you can't get away from it. It seems like it's everywhere. Now, it's sin, and as Christians, we hate the sin, not the sinner, and we're, we're called to you know um, pray for those who are suffering from, from these things, but we also have to be careful that we're not supporting the agenda through our viewership, and that, that's the hard part. If you get to liking a show and then they introduce a same-sex couple, you know, it puts you in a position where you have to try to figure out what you're going to do. Um, I wanted to also go over George Soros inserting himself into the United uh, the the Missouri elections process. Now, we did discuss an issue earlier with the National Shooting Sports Foundation issuing the warning about the banning of ammo. Here we have this story um about progressive media donor George Soros bigfooting into Missouri ballot fight over redistricting and ethics. Now, the redistricting fight here on the ballot is it's a no-go. If you're a Missourian, you're voting no on that because what they would do is they would take the state of Missouri, which is roughly a square with a little boot on the bottom, and they would draw the districting lines in vertical fashion up from the top of the state down to the bottom, squiggling and dodging and moving to catch all of the minority voters that they could to ensure that rural voters who currently now get to vote the way they want to would be lumped in with minority voters who tend to vote Democrat thereby changing Missouri from a solidly red state to a solidly blue one for the foreseeable future. So that's a no. But how do you know also that I, you know, I'm right about this? Well, national progressive activist George Soros is the billionaire boogeyman of conservative nightmares has dumped a quarter of a million dollars into Missouri ethics reform campaign this month. The Open Society Policy Center, a part of Soros's philanthropic network, actually donated $300,000 on January 9th to the Move Ballot Fund. 
And what they want to do with that is uh, oh, he also gave 300000 or 250000 to another group called Clean Missouri. They want to get an ethics initiative on the November ballot. Now, Clean Missouri is nothing but a backdoor control mechanism to get Agenda 21 into the state of Missouri. Missouri voters have been rejecting this for the past maybe 20 years. They've been trying to get this in here in every way but loose they put it in. We always beat it down. So George Soros really wants to see it because it's it's annoying to him that the center of the country, we were a bellwether state, meaning whoever we voted for for the president was the president. Um, and we missed it when uh, we went for Romney and Obama won. Uh, but I still think, you know, missing one contest shouldn't shouldn't take away our bellwether status. And this money these two these two initiatives are two ways to take away the uh the voter integrity of the state of missouri where we can vote for a largely republican legislature and we had a democrat for the governor for 16 years we've had divided government many times in the past but right now we have a supermajority in the legislature for republicans and we have tons and tons and tons of um republicans all over up and down the ballot who rode the trump coattails into victory and so mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is going on here is Soros wants his hands on Missouri. It's a plum state, good population, you know, less than six million, but still good. And he wants to get a control, uh, a hand on it so that he can then kind of infiltrate his way into other states where we're, we're in his, his sight lines. Research the information. You're voting no on the clean Missouri deal and you're voting no on Amendment 2. And you know what? I'm going to give you the voter guide. I'll post it on Facebook. I have one for you from a trusted source. A voter guide for Missouri voters that you can take a look at that has all of these ballots in order that you can print out and take with you to the polls. All right. That's the show. God bless you. Thank you so much for fantastic calls and interaction. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Good night from the heartland.